Hi, everyone. I'm Mark Savitelli, podcast host and president and CEO at NAOP. You're listening to the NAOP podcast, Inside CRE, featuring interviews with commercial real estate leaders who share industry and career insights. NAOP, the Commercial Real Estate Development Association, is the development industry's leading source for education, advocacy, and connections that drive your business forward. Inside CRE is brought to you by Avison Young. In today's episode, I have the privilege of speaking with Rhonda Payne, the founder and CEO of Flock Theory. Rhonda is a sought-after entrepreneur, workforce equity advisor, organizational capacity builder, and educational events strategist with nationally recognized expertise in diversity, equity, and inclusion, also commonly referred to as DEI. For over 30 years, Rhonda has helped hundreds of organizations tackle their most challenging issues and create competitive advantage with and for the communities they serve. Rhonda also previously served as Global Vice President at ICSC, so she knows commercial real estate exceptionally well. Rhonda, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here. Well, I'm really looking forward to our conversation, and I guess First and foremost, probably best to just kind of set the table here. So if you could tell me a little bit about Flock Theory and how you help organizations maximize their potential. Well, thank you so much. You know, it's um, it starts right with what I would say is our North Star, which is equity. If we were to put a single word to it, we usually put three words to it. We say equity and expertise because that's our unique lens. Uh, that means that we care about expertise everywhere that it shows up. And it shows up a lot of places, right? It shows up on event stages. When people think of live events, we think of the speakers and the thought leaders we put on stage. But really, experts are behind the stage. They're on our staff. They're in our boardrooms. They're on our bookshelves and so on. So we really take that really broad lens to our work. Now, what that looks like when the rubber's hitting the road is it looks like consulting, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like everyone resists the word, the dark shadow of consultants. Uh, But really, it looks like consulting in a lot of cases. So Mm -hmm. we come inside of organizations, usually associations and nonprofits, maybe 10 percent of our business is on the corporate side because we extend into the communities that our association clients might be serving. We come inside. We look at systems quite a lot. Right. We are looking at performance of the organization overall. So operational consulting in general for associations. We look at the events. So event strategy. We look at things like like uh, credentialing and awards, Mm -hmm. other other signifiers in industries of expertise. So your fellows program, your credentialing program, your certifications and so on. Right. And then it also looks like DEI consulting. Right. And of course, that piece of our practice is gotten a lot of attention, <laughs> as it, you could imagine. I could, yes, it's certainly taken on uh, quite a bit of importance. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, but of course, what I like to say on the consulting arm of our business is that even when people don't think they're hiring us for DEI, they secretly Thank are. You. That's my little secret <laughs> is that actually the way we approach <clears throat> equity and DEI and justice work is that it shows up everywhere we show up. We create safe space in every space we're in. But of course, you know, on the talent side, that's another place we show up. So we consult on the talent side. That's mm-hmm. obviously an area where 
many organizations have a keen interest. If they're not thinking about DEI, about anything else, they're thinking about their talent strategy, their yep. people strategy. Sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like <laughs> this, you're certainly quite busy in your practice. So that is, so let's start at the beginning. You know, you mentioned, although it's, they may not talk about it, may not initially be why you were hired, but DEI has really come to the forefront in the minds of a lot of individuals, a lot of corporations, and we're seeing a real increased uh, importance on it. So um, I'm going to start with a meaty question here. What is DEI? And you know why is it important? You hear a lot about equity and equality, and they often get put together as synonymous when they're anything but. Absolutely. Who doesn't like a triple-barreled question? <laughs> <laughs> so I am excited to dig in. Let's take it in parts, shall we? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about, like, what is DEI, right? You know, the session we did at the CLLR was about back to basics, right? So what is DEI? DEI really technically stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I say that out loud for everybody listening, because maybe you weren't even sure what the letters were. And let's be let's be honest, there's a lot of letters floating around, right? I could say IDEA, I could see, say J-E-D-I, one of my favorites for any Star Wars fans out there, <laughs> in case you need help remembering a nice J's for justice, correct? That's justice, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, right? There's D-E-I-B, because we can't forget about belonging, belonging, right? There are a lot of letters out there. So don't be embarrassed with what might even seem like the most basic of things. What do the letters even stand for in mm -hmm. terms of words, let alone what those words mean? Now, of course, DEI is this uh, conceptual shorthand that refers to really a body of work and initiatives that are going on in society. It's going on inside and outside of the workplace. But of course, our conversation will focus more and our work at Flock Theory focuses more on the work, more on the workplace. So diversity, right? Diversity, it's the numbers game, right? It's the counts of difference and people who um, have that difference as part of their identity. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing more than that. It's a numbers game, but you'd be surprised how many people don't know their numbers, right? even on the D, <laughs> right? So, so it's no small thing. <laughs> I think as most companies start to focus on it, you're right. You know, they, they think the numbers at one thing, we get into the number and it's like, oh. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I had a client where uh, we came in and I asked what I thought, right, was the simplest question. Well, how many women? Are in your membership? Oh, you asking? You hear me? that? No, no, oh, oh. no. You hear that? I know the crickets. That, that's exactly yeah. how it was. <laughs> that's exactly how it was. And I was a little bit embarrassed at my assumption in asking the question. I should have asked it differently, really, because even I took that moment to say, "Whoops, made a mistake." Right? We all we all step into it sometimes. And the truth is, they had never measured that. They had never asked their members their identity. And and what's worse really what's really behind it the root cause that's that's a word you should think about a lot in this work right um is that they weren't asking because they knew they had a problem and so they felt like if we don't ask then we don't have the numbers no, if the we don't have the numbers yes. <laughs> then is, is there a problem right if a tree fell in the woods yes the tree still fell <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's right so 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 diversity then goes on uh, in the DEI acronym to equity, 
equity and equality, right? Some people, I bet, I'd be willing to bet if I were a betting woman, I'd be willing to bet that some people thought the E was equality. Mm -hmm. I'd be willing to bet that some people use equity and equality interchangeably. And I get it, right? I absolutely get it. And sometimes either or the other is the right word we want to be using. They are both great concepts. <laughs> yes to both of them. And they are related, but different. But and it's important to think about equity, right? In my opinion. My opinion is that equity of all the letters, it's my favorite letter <laughs> in, in this work, because many of the others can't be achieved without it, mm -hmm. right? Equity is to take concepts of fairness that you find when you think about equality and apply a lens that says, in order to achieve it, we have to acknowledge starting points. We have to acknowledge points of advantage and disadvantage and apply our supports, our solutions, our policies, our systems, so that we are addressing the starting point because equity's interest is in creating equitable or equal outcomes. Mm -hmm. Equality is about sameness at the start. Equity yeah. is about sameness and fairness at the end in the outcome. And really, this work needs to be rooted in our outcomes. Saying that equity really is ultimately the, the foundation then to, to be able to accomplish D&I is what you have. It really is. It really is. Because, you know, we can chase diversity. We can, we, we can chase that D, the numbers, right? And many companies do. We think, we, you know, sometimes we don't know what to do. Sometimes we might know what we could do, but it's a long game. And we've got people who want to see outcomes now. Sure. Right. And so what do we do? We throw a lot of money at it. We throw money at our recruiting. We bring in people with certain identities. We put those numbers into our DEI or IND or, you know, reports, our annual reports. We share them with our boards and it looks really great. And you know what we call that? Diversity theater. Yep. Because, right, it's not real. It's not going to stick. Because without equity, you don't have inclusion or belonging. And then those people, those numbers, they don't it's stay. Right. It's, <laughs> it's churn. And you're going to keep throwing money at it because the churn is going to stay. And you won't really see net gains. So that is why equity is a, a, a foundational rock of this work. Yeah, and I think we see that a little bit in commercial real estate, to be honest with you. You know, we and I think in society in general, there's been this this view of numbers, 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 numbers. And, you know, our chairman is actually uh, Kim Snyder has, has brought this up quite a bit since he's taken over the role of chair. He does talk about DEI and B, um, you know, and he talks about folks that he's spoken with in the industry. So, oh, you know, we were able to hire X number of folks from these underrepresented groups and 12 to 18 months later. They're no longer with us. And it was at that point that the epiphany, if you will, of the, the belonging really started to come about because they, uh, great, we had the numbers and we could wave them up from the top of the mountaintop of, you know, look at us. We, we, we brought in all these underrepresented, you know, individuals or classes, but it was a short-sighted goal because they didn't feel the belonging or the equity that, that is so important to the calculus that really comes into this. That's right, right? It gets us to really think about our why of the work, right? And if our why is about appeasing a stakeholder or a group of stakeholders who want to see the numbers, 
then we can deliver that, but we won't really have impact from the R initiatives. They, they might be satisfied and they might be completely happy and say, job well done. And if that's the goal, we can do that. But it really doesn't move the needle of what the real work is about. Do you feel on that? And I'll, maybe I'll get a little bit ahead of ourselves. But let, let, let's look at the eye for a minute here. <clears throat> so if, you're, if we're talking about the pure numbers game or diversity theater, where you know, we, we, we hire, again, X number of individuals from an underrepresented group, and they're now as part of our company, but we don't include them. They're not involved in the conversation. This, to me, seems like it's part of the belonging because it's not a diverse thought. It's just diverse theater. And is that something that you see as a problem in corporate America? Tell me what you're seeing on your side. Absolutely. You know, uh, inclusion and belonging are, are two words, kind of like equality and equity, mm -hmm. right? They are really part of the same conversation. It gets a little less popular. So I love that NAOP is really centering belonging as part of its conversation because the reason it, it gets a little less attention is because it's about feelings, in my opinion, right? And we know how that goes, right? Uh, we know that other things that have to do with interpersonal relations often have been positioned uh, over time, over the past couple of decades by business pundits as soft skills, right? Soft, right? They're sort of diminished in our language about them as if they are not important, when in fact they are hard skills. <laughs> they are critical skills. They are arguably the most important skills. They're hard to teach. Right? Very hard to teach takes time and effort to build these competencies. And when we talk about inclusion and belonging, right, it's in that same space. And we want to elevate that from being diminished because, because it's partly about feeling, right? So with inclusion, right, we're talking about our ability to authentically bring traditionally excluded people. As a sidebar, folks, I'm talking about in your system. So whether that's in your company, or maybe your team leader, I'm talking about on your team. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a CEO, right? I'm talking about in your whole company and in your customer base, right? So depending on the system you're talking about, right? We're talking about who has been traditionally excluded from your system mm -hmm. and figuring that out. Um, and it could be groups of people and you might have a list that starts to build and that's okay, right? And we're talking about authentically bringing them into your processes, your activities, your decision-making, your policy-making, but doing it in a way that's not just a seat at the table, right? Yeah. So we hear that, we've heard that, you know, trope a lot, you know, it's a seat at the table. Well, let's, I'm just going to tell you, right, that can be overrated, right? A seat at the table means nothing if power isn't shared. Sure. So really we're talking about power systems power shifting, I like to say. Nobody really likes to think about seeding power that they might have, but that is really what this work is about. It's about making sure that some people aren't over advantaged in terms of the power they enjoy, while other people are disadvantaged in the power that they enjoy. And inclusion can't really exist without equitable power sharing. Uh, belonging then is that feeling that an individual will have when, ex when inclusion exists, when equity exists, when they are not an only, mm -hmm. right? Uh, that's the feeling and the outcome that we're seeking that creates many of the benefits that are talked about with DEI, right? The increased innovation, the better decision-making, the 
increased profitability, all of those things we that you, that we hear when we talk about kind of the business case of DEI, they come because individual people, because of all the other letters, <laughs> feel that sense of belonging. I want to follow up uh, a little bit here. You know, we've talked about kind of DEI in the broader sense. I gave you the big meaty question to begin with, but um, let's take it down a level and talk a little bit more specifically about commercial real estate. You know, you have a long history with ICSC. Uh, you've worked in the association community for a number of years too. Um, and you referenced, of course, the sessions that you did at NAOP's chapter leadership uh, and legislative retreat. And in one of our sessions, you know, you talked about uh, making progress in DEI and commercial real estate can be tough. So now that we've kind of set the broad thing, let's take it down a notch. Why, why do you feel that that can be tough in commercial real estate? And is it unique to commercial real estate? So, you know, I'm going to take that second part first. Is it unique? No, it's not. And here's why it's not unique. It's tough because we inherit the systems that are part of our core, the part of our foundation, mm -hmm. right? And if there are any inequities, a lack of diversity uh, in those systems, that we're using as foundation for our organizations or our industry, then it's kind of fruit of a poisonous tree, right? It trickles right down. And so many people rely on systems traditionally in America in particular, uh, but in other parts of the world as well with each it's, you know, regionally specific context, right? It's not the same folks outside yes. of America, right? You want to take some global approach to this game. But, uh, but, but yeah, so it's, um, it's tough because we inherit things from outside of our control, right? And we all know this from from any kind of any kind of issue, there's things that we have direct influence over the control over if you will, although you know, I'm going to use that with like a little that you guys can't see me, but I'm like, wink, wink, because do we really have control? <laughs> we feel we, we have like control. to feel we have it. Yes. <laughs> right. And then there's things that we have influence over, but not necessarily control. And then there's things outside of that that we're also relying on in our system. So it's definitely tough because many organizations have operated for so many decades and, and organizations that are employers in this industry, in this CRE industry, uh, many associations have also operated based on certain beliefs and tenants from their inception, you know, 100 more years ago in, in many cases. And if it has been baking in the oven for 100 years, that's why it's tough, right? Because it's, it's you know, denouement, the untying of that knot. Yeah. It, it takes time, effort, resources, and a lot of things that while we know we want a certain outcome, it is proving challenging for us to put in the work and the uh, steps necessary to get at those outcomes. And one of the studies that I referenced uh, in commercial real estate in particular, there is a DEI study that was uh, fielded by Ferguson Partners and, and several other associations. They you know, found from you know, about roughly 200 companies that responded that some of the big blockers were things like not really sure why we're doing this DEI thing, right? Like not understanding it's, the connection of DEI to the business at all. Yeah. So just the, the most foundational piece of engagement. There's also a uh, lack of funding for the initiative or lack of priority of the initiative inside of our system. So whether that's a company 
employers, if you take them in aggregate, the whole ecosystem, there's there's a large lack of prioritization of it as well. And, and that lack of prioritization leads to lack of resources, people and financial resources necessary. Lack of data is yep. another big one. So talking about why it may be tough, there's always the counterbalance and said so there's some success stories out there. Have you seen an industry or industries where that have had success in really starting to to make a difference with with DEI? And if so, would any examples perhaps you could share? Um, I sure have. And you know, I'd love to to share that in, you know in it with a bit of context. I'm gonna circle back to something you asked me before. Why is DEI important? Yes. Right? There's three uh, rationales, three philosophies out there that I talk to our clients about. There's the compliance case, right? That's that's the legal stuff, right? Sounds this like the bare the, minimum. It, it's it's literally the bare minimum to stay out of jail and out of court, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. There's also the business case, right? That's the one that gets all the airplay, mm-hmm. right? And it's talking about profitability of companies and of industries. And then there's what we talk about is the justice case. And this is where we frame our why for DEI in the context of people Mm -hmm. and their humanity and their worth. And arguably, that's the real reason we should be doing this, (laughs) right? Uh, The business case really came into popularity because of one of those barriers that we're talking about, right? where if leaders don't see the connection between DEI and profitability, and they believe that they are being evaluated in terms of their success as a leader based on profitability, then naturally there's a disconnect. Sure. Right. So that's that's really um, something I wanted to just kind of go back to and center us on that. Now, in terms of getting to your, your you know, your real question is, but, but who's getting it right? Well, There are folks getting it right, but this is a big field. And so when we think about getting it right, I want to make sure that we're centering getting what right. Yeah, no fair question. Is it it that business? Is it the justice? Uh, That's right. So are people successful in reducing the number of uh, complaints? Sure. And that has to do with, you know, an organization that might have as their focus dealing with, say, sexual harassment, Mm -hmm. right? Surely people have uh, implemented policies combined with training, combined with legal advice and other to reduce the number of sexual harassment complaints, anywhere from taking locks off those doors to even need them, (laughs) (laughs) right? So, so protecting us from ourselves yes. in some cases, right down to the, you know, so that, so put that in the category of our systems in which our people operate, right down to the hearts and minds of our people and, and what we think about how we should behave. Oh, that's great. And I appreciate the context to it. You know, I mean, it's easy to just, because as I think about the question, as I posed it, it's like, well, you know, it's kind of getting into just numbers or compliance. And it is so much more than that. And I think it's emblematic that mindset shift that really has to occur, you know, even just hearing about it. I mean, it's so important to be able to ask the right questions. That's right. And if I could add one, because I want to give you at least one win, right? Right. Like one specific organization. You can look this up, folks. Look up the AIA, you know, in the built environment. So folks will know AIA and architecture. AIA wanted to increase the representation. So very specific, like what 
was it that they were aiming to do? They wanted to increase uh, representation from excluded, previously excluded communities on their board. Mm -hmm. Very targeted. And then root cause, well, why aren't we seeing representation? Was it a pipeline problem? No, it wasn't. That's a myth. Interesting. We needed to tap into the pipeline. And so a program was designed and executed. It's about a year or so in now called Next to Lead. And it was an invitation to the full industry, member or not, future members, definitely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but they, they had a competitive process to bring folks in to be selected as part of a cohort a two-year program filled with a year of training. I had the privilege of being part of the faculty team for that. And then a year of service and application from that training in their local chapter leadership, making them prime candidates then for national service. Mm -hmm. And so it worked beautifully. There was a, a tsunami of people and women in this case. So they were targeting women of color mm -hmm. that were really missing in leadership. Uh, and ultimately, they have a tremendous pipeline that was out there right in their own backyard, as someone said uh, mm -hmm. in a session with Nayab recently. <laughs> right. But uh, they were able to to find that pipeline and connect it to their organization and to their leadership. And what do you know, that also attracts members who who were maybe thinking that that association didn't represent them. Representation in leadership uh, that sticks and that stays really does have a tremendous impact. And NAA saw that with their program. So the, just as a follow-up question to that, because it's a fascinating example, I'm fascinating. I, I'll admit, I know the CEO over there. And we oh, go back me too. Lakeisha's a mentor yes, by Lakeisha Woods. <laughs> <laughs> with that, you, know, you said, you know, when you start to have that reflective leadership, you start, you know, other folks said, well, maybe this is an organization for me. Did they see that within their organization, not just in terms of growth, I shouldn't say growth, but in terms of their leadership makeup, do they see their membership makeup change as well, too? You know, that I don't know yet. Okay. And it might be too soon to sure. tell. There's also a number of other really impressive initiatives that are a part of a larger DEI strategy that's connected to the organization's mission and strategy. So I do believe that their membership demographics are changing, changing mm -hmm. in a way that has net gain and benefit for every single member, as well as every person in architecture, whether they're a member or not. But to attribute it, you know, it's more correlation than attribution to, to a single thing, because from everything from having a Black woman CEO now to uh, leaders of color uh, and other identity uh, that were lacking coming into leadership at the chapter locally, like, right? Like who we see every day and nationally to guides and resources for practice. They have some wonderful practice guides for firms. So it's really a multifaceted approach. Mm -hmm. And together, each of them with their own specific focus, target, metrics, over time, that's where that's where progress comes from, and it comes from stick-to-itiveness, stick <laughs> right? It, it comes from from staying the course because, again, this work is long, and we tend to think in these one-year buckets, right? Yep. Uh, we budget it's that way, natural human strategy that way, but this work, like we said, decades, 
to get where we are, it's going to take quite a while to untie the knot depending on what those knots are. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it could be adaptable to, you know, to real estate and that, you know, a lot of commercial real estate professionals, you have to think the long game. You know, you don't buy a piece of land and develop it the next day. It's, it's a long game here. So I know we're running a little bit short on time, but I'm going to ask a question here. You know, you talked a little bit about leadership. We've talked about, you know, why DEI is important. Um, but most leaders will always say that leadership is a journey. And of course, that means you have to begin your journey and your learning somewhere. So to commercial real estate leaders that are looking to begin their journey in learning and understanding DEI to continue their leadership journey, where should they begin? Absolutely. One of my favorite places for individuals to begin is with the personal work. I think about DEI practice as a continuum that starts with personal on one end, and then it moves to interpersonal <laughs> skills and competencies, right? Between me and you, between colleagues. Uh, and then it moves into systems and institutions, right? And so in that continuum, the best place to start is with yourself, <laughs> Yep. right? Do your own work, look it up, take a class, grow. Right. That's that's the best place to start. One of the things that we do on the education side, because education is suggested a lot as a starting point. Now, please don't just take one class. That's it. That's that's yeah. my tip for you on mm -hmm. that. Right. It takes sustained learning. And one of the first topics that I would suggest for someone wanting to get started, one of my favorite topics to work on is the language of DEI. And mm -hmm. we, we, we touched on it a little bit today and talking about the definitions of words like diversity or belonging. Right. When we focus on language and inclusive language, language, bias aware language, we come to realize the ways that exclusion and advantage and disadvantage really show up mm -hmm. every day in our language verbally, in our language and writing. Uh, you won't look at performance reviews the same way again. Once you start studying language and inclusive yeah. language and coded language, you're going to look back and think, oof, you're going to cringe and think, oh, I can't believe I wrote that. That was so biased. It's okay. Start with language because it reveals so many other things when you study the bias of our language. Yeah. <clears throat> now I really don't want to go back and look at any <laughs> job reviews I wrote uh, 5, 10, 15 years ago. Well, Rhonda, this has been a fascinating conversation. There's so much more I know that we can we can touch base on. Um, do you have a website for, for Flock Theory that uh, perhaps people can go for additional resources as well, too? I sure do. It's simple, flocktheory.com. Absolutely. Thanks well, for visiting, and uh, I'd love to connect. Rhonda, okay, appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. We've really enjoyed you know, our conversations with at the Chapter Leadership Retreat, and I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Wonderful. And I'd love to leave just a final thought. Please. There's a saying, nothing about us without us. That means that when you do DEI work and you identify communities that may have been excluded, you can't do that work without that community itself. If you try, 
I promise you it will backfire. So nothing about us without us. That is the takeaway lesson for today. <laughs> you know how to conclude a podcast. <laughs> that is wonderful. Rhonda, thank you so much again. Really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Inside CRE with your host, Mark Salvatelli. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and be sure to subscribe. Special thanks to our podcast sponsor, Avison Young. That's all for this episode, and we'll talk with you again soon.